Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The album comes out in four days' time, which is very, very surreal. It's um, you know, it's as exciting as it is. Like it's it's one of those things that I've you know I've loved music since I can remember. So it's something I've always dreamt of, but it's a very weird feeling because it's all, I mean, it's all crept up at once, but then it's also, um, you know, I guess a lot of this record's quite personal and just some of these stories as well date back, you know, five years and stuff. So it's reliving a lot. So it's kind of a, you know, it's got me in a weird little headspace at the minute. Like I'm all excited and everything like that, but um, yeah, it's a lot to process at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you're kind of in the moment of the album coming out, but also you're reliving all these old memories because you're talking about the record, which is kind of concerning all of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, which is like as much as the reason I make music in the first place is for me, I struggle to talk about my feelings and things like that. So it's it's a big part of healing and processing for me. So if anything, this is just, I guess, that last part of the puzzle of my brain kind of figuring it all out. But um, yeah, it's just, just coming back to certain things and that at times it's like, you know, you, you think you, you've kind of moved on from that. And as much as like, you know, it's, it's, it's a random kind of feeling. It's also, it's good to kind of come back and revisit those and as well, cause it's kind of a reminder of, you know, where I was five years ago to where I am now. Like I'm very proud of, you know, the personal growth um, that I've had in that time. And yeah, that's why I feel like this, this album, it's very personal, but um, it's going to be one that, you know, it's, it's a big chapter of my life. So regardless of what it does, you know, in terms of the industry and all like hopefully making my team happy, um, outside of that, I think it's going to be a big kind of personal, you know, weight off my shoulders and just kind of, you know, healing moment for me, which would be cool. Yeah. Is that a different kind of closure releasing it to finishing creating it? I think so. Yeah, very much because, you know, creating it, it it's still in my head um, as much as like it's recorded and it sounds amazing and everything like that. That initial thought has only been between myself and the producer. You know, it's, it's not kind of been heard by the world or even, you know, these people that it's some of these songs are about, they haven't heard it for themselves yet. So yeah, it's, a, it's kind of, it's that daunting moment of like really letting it go and like letting it be what it will be um which as i said it's very exciting but being you know when i'm i'm usually putting out like a song and like one at a time um like just dropping singles so that's you know you're only thinking about one but this this time i've got 12 on here so it's a lot to kind of (laughs) juggle you know what i mean it's just a lot of different thoughts and moments of time to kind of all just smack on the table at once but as i said i'm i'm very very excited too so 
I guess we'll out with that. When's the tour? It's like pretty soon too, right? Yeah. So it's, it's honestly, I think it's like three weeks away. So again, I'm super duper excited. Obviously, considering, you know, the current climate of the world and everything like that, just to be touring is such a blessing, you know, like having a year off has been very weird, but you know, that the rest of the world isn't even at the kind of stages that we are kind of on the cusp of now. So I've got to, yeah, as I said, count my blessings there and to be going on the road and a national tour is very, very surreal. So I'm super excited. I must admit though, it's my, um, I've had a band for like five years, um, but this now I've got a brand new band for this tour because um, my the old members of my band they all play in like other like different projects and bands themselves that are all really doing well. So they're on the road at the same time as me. So um, yeah, I've got a new band and these the, all the new players are incredible musos, but I am so nervous. You know, it's just like we haven't I haven't done a band tour since like. October 2019 it's my first one back and then it's complete new band which as I said they will kill it but it's just it feels like we are just starting over again which you know at the end of the day it's exciting too but it's very very daunting experience (laughs) the album's probably a good time to do that as well though that's it yeah like it feels fitting to kind of you know you're you're starting again this is the right time well that's it too you know it's like it's definitely this was, yeah, I mean, the last tour I did was my EP tour. That's that's how long it's, you know, it's been in between. So it's a, it's a whole new set to for the band to learn anyway. So regardless of who was playing it, it was definitely going to be a lots of um, like rehearsing the new stuff. But yeah, I just I think it's going to be really fun. Like it's it's gonna uh, for me anyway. I've, a big transition I'm going is like stepping off the guitar a lot more. Because I feel like, you know, a lot of people play the guitar and have it as like, you know, especially a rhythm kind of singer um, will have it there as like a safe safety net thing, you know, where it's like you sit behind it and that. But for me, if anything, it's kind of like a pigeonhole. I, I feel trapped when I've got a guitar in my hands. I love playing guitar, don't get me wrong, but I love moving around. Like I grew up just watching Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley like relentlessly uh, as a kid. So just watching them move and and creating that that part of the performance is such a big thing that I've now like really strived to add in my own um, set. So yeah, that's going to be a big thing. Big transition for me will be, you know, stepping off the guitar a bit more. Um, And it's not going to be like this thing where I'm going to be a pocket rocket on stage and, you know, going a hundred miles an hour. It's just kind of, I just want to like cruise around a little bit more, you know, and like even in some of the slow songs, just, I feel like that's how I engage. I love engaging with an audience a lot, you know, and there's only so much that I find I can do with the guitar there. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how it all works. You know, it might be the type of thing that doesn't work how I have it all pictured in my head. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to just try it all out, you know. Bring out some of the moves from the Sunday suit video. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one thing I'm really excited to kind of chuck out to is like having that one, you know, bring it to life and... I've also got like a little trick up my sleeve, um, which is going to be, I'm actually bringing some of the dancers from the clip along to some of the shows on the tour. I'm going to try and incorporate them into a few more songs. Not too much. I don't want to oversaturate that kind of moment. I'd rather like make it a real special kind of just, you know, know its place. But yeah, I'm going to try and bring them to as many as I can. But um, I think that'll be a, you know, a little cool moment because that was that was one of my favorite clips I've ever done, if not my favorite. Yeah, so to think that we could bring that to life and, you know, you know, a, a film clip is such its own thing. It's, it's nothing that you can kind of relate to on a live set to a degree, to a degree. I don't want to overshoot that thought. But, um, yeah, so I thought, you know, let's kind of give them an essence of the film clip whilst they're, you know, watching us play. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> We've touched upon both the record and the tour, which are the two things that are coming at you in the next few weeks. But yeah. you also have teamed up with Aaron Williams to create a custom boot. I sure have. Yes, that's, <laughs> um, in all honesty, that's a very surreal thing for me. Like I wear Aaron Williams, like I've got a pair of Aaron Williams on right now that I've had for probably about seven or eight years. So they're completely thrashed. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've just been a massive, you know, I, I don't know what you call it in terms of, supporting um like 
clothing and that, but I guess I'm a fan or a whatnot of them, like massive. I've just, I wear so much of their stuff. One of my, um, my PR um, people, they just kind of messaged me saying, Hey, um, would you be keen to design an RM Williams boot? And I was like, you know, it was a no brainer for me. So long story short said, yes, went up. And then when I went to the office, that was when it really hit. And I just had like this table just filled with every different toe shape, every different type of leather, every different, you know, type of heels, everything you can imagine about a boot just in front of me. And all of a sudden at once, I just, I don't know, I just fused, fused my ideas that I was thinking together. And then the boot that we've now got was born. And I, I mean, that sounds a bit random how I worded that then, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it all kind of just came together really quickly. You know, I was leaning towards like going down a black kind of design at first, but then, you know, they, the guys that um, from RM Williams were really helpful there because they kind of made a good point of being like, you know, go down black if that's the path you want to like go. But if you really want to create your own design, like, you know, think about that a little bit more. So then I was just sitting in the room and looking around at all the different leathers and colors and everything. And um, this kind of sunburst, like a very deep sunburst mahogany caught my eye in the corner of the room. And then, you know, I was like, that's the one. But then I didn't think of it at first, but then it's, yeah, it's got that sunburst kind of like, it reminds me of a guitar. So I don't know, it feels very fitting to the kind of, you know, music kind of collaboration with them. So um, yeah, it's very surreal. I got them the other week and um, I haven't wanted to take them off. I haven't worn them much because I'm very, very protective of them at the moment being so fresh. Because in all honesty, too, I've never been able to afford Iron Williams boots because they're quite expensive. So I've always just got them secondhand. So to have a brand new pair that come in this fancy box and all that, as I said, I'm, I'm barely wearing them because I'm just trying to keep them safe <laughs> and not scuff. <laughs> did, you, did you not used to do like a fashion or style thing as well? A few years back, like, um, was it called Faded Vintage Co? Faded Vintage, yes. I used to do that with my cousin. Was that like a design thing? Not, it, I mean, it was, but wasn't. It, we, we had our own, like, little, like, range of our own exclusive um, apparel, I guess, with, like, a few logos and stuff that we designed. But all in all, it was kind of, you know, we were getting bulk um, vintage orders from um, the United States just sent over on a shipping container and then we were just doing like pop-up stalls and things like that but um it all it was a very like exciting thing but then it all kind of came in a really weird part of both mine and my cousin's lives and i just like all of a sudden had a big change and then moved down to melbourne so to be honest with you we still have about like five or six thousand dollars worth of clothing just sitting in my cousin's garage just in all these big um garbage bags and that that we just have no idea what to do with so one day we'll probably do something maybe we'll have a big dress up party or something <laughs> like that but <laughs> for the time being yeah they're just sitting there <laughs> it's interesting we kind of touch on style as well because it feels like when we look back to you like photos from a few years ago it seems that your style has kind of quite radically developed and evolved over the last few yeah. years in terms of clothing what's what's feeling that for you um i must admit i think the biggest biggest thing there would have been my move to melbourne and melbourne's one of those places where uh, not to you know I'm, I'm kind of as i said it's hard to word these things because they they sound as cliche as they sound it just is what it is but like melbourne is one of those just such a beautiful culture and an accepting culture that it you know, you go down there and things like painting your nails or wearing random earrings or wearing boots that have a heel or just, you know, expressing yourself in whatever way you want and trialing things that you wouldn't normally try because you're, I guess, too scared of, you just can do. So when I moved down there, you know, like I, I love like, you know, Mick Jagger's style and, you know, just how he tests so many things and like Bowie did as well. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, do things a little bit different. And, and that wasn't it, you know, as I think that's where the, you know, the evolution of that has been of 
it's been a transition, not just, it didn't just drastically happen. I didn't just move to Melbourne and then all of a sudden I went from zero to 100. You know, you ha- I had to really get comfortable with that and with myself. And, and if anything, that's the best thing that happened was I really became comfortable with myself and who I was. And like, I am, I'm a straight, straight dude, but you know, I like dressing and expressing myself in ways that, you know, people might question that. And I think, you know, why, why we all have to be conformed to kind of, you know, dress this certain way and that. So yeah, Melbourne, Melbourne just taught me that. And I don't know how I like, I mean, that's a big thing from the people that as well, I surrounded myself with there, but I think, yeah, just, you know, just trying stuff and, and not giving a shit is how we did it. Like at the moment I've come back to Wollongong um, being stuck um, at my mum's in this COVID and, you know, this is where I was born and raised. And this is a place where, you know, now I, I'm at that age, I'm 25 now. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks or says, but coming back to a town like this is, it is a beautiful place, but it does have a um, very like heavy kind of small minded population at the same time so you know i'll get called out for wearing and doing a lot of what i do and how i dress and everything again here so it again that's where it does the full circle and you're like it reminds you of how special that place is down south you know was is there almost a parallel between you getting more comfortable and expressing yourself pretty openly in your music as you were getting more comfortable at the same time and expressing yourself style wise oh very much so very much so yeah that was, yeah, I think, you know, it all kind of, again, when you're, I guess, getting comfortable within yourself as a person, that then with my music being something that's so personable, personal, sorry, yeah, that all just did the same. And, you know, I felt like I could be more honest with my writing and putting those stories in such honest and raw stories out too, for that matter. Yeah, because the first song I put out was like, in that period was a song called Watch You Go, which was about losing my dad. And that was a very, you know, vulnerable song. I didn't, I didn't think too much about the lyrics. It just, I just said what I said, you know, it all just kind of fell out in the one sitting. And then from there, it hasn't changed or it hasn't stopped for that matter either. It's just, I've found that's, that's me. That's who I am. You know, like music's yes, it's my job and everything like that. But music's for me is just purely part of my life. It's how I heal, it's how I process and, and not just the bad, but the, but the good too, you know, like all the good things that happen. Like I can't just naturally just sit there and let it all come in and just kind of debrief in a conversation. I need to kind of go sit with my guitar or with the piano or whatever it is and just kind of, you know, vent to, <laughs> vent to the, the, I don't know, to the melody world or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Is it almost partly as well, it's interesting to think about how does your headspace differ, say, when you're really opening yourself up in a song to when you would maybe be opening yourself up in a conversation? Is it a similar kind of catharsis or what is it that's kind of different in feeling? That's a really good question. Um, It's a very, very similar feeling, but uh, uh, see, you've you've stumped me there because (laughs) I know... I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how to, uh, again, this is what my point is, you know, I don't know how to articulate it in conversation, but it's definitely a similar feeling, but it's, 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 it just falls into its own world. I lose myself in it, you know? I'm almost trying to think if there's something about, does the melody unlock something somehow? I mean, yeah, the melody, because the melody definitely comes like first with me and then I just start kind of freestyling from there. Yeah, it definitely unlocks something. I wish I knew what it was because, you know, every time I go in, it's, it's different. It's just, I, it just goes on its own journey and I just kind of, I'm the vessel and I just let it kind of do its thing. You know what I mean? I've, I remember I've heard you say before about how you, the verses often come later for you. They're the thing that kind of comes last in the song. Yeah, like it's specifically the second verse. Like um, I will write like first verse might come straight away or before the chorus. I do have this habit of like just finding this kind of strong chorus and then that shaping where everything else will go. But then, yeah, I'll, I'll really get the whole song will be finished. Like I'll, I'll kind of know where this second verse is, but I kind of leave it. I have this habit of leaving it for almost like two weeks is kind of like that sweet spot for me without like, it's not intentional, but it's like a two week gap. And then I come back to that second verse and then 
it just falls out because I'm the type of person too, you know, where you're all of us, especially when you're like collaborating with like different artists or producers, you want to go in a studio, especially if it's your first time and you've just met, you want to go in there and impress them. You don't want them to think you're just some shit writer <laughs> and that. So you want to come out strong, but you know, I've, you know, I, I remember when I was a bit younger a few years ago and that that's what I was doing. I was like, as soon as we get in, we've got to find this crazy thing. But then it was like, nah, you, you've got to, things take time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So why is it got to, why does it have to, in this six or seven hour period, why do we have to strike, like strike gold then, you know? So once I kind of put that in my head, sessions started flowing so much better because I was just like, you know, if, if I leave a session and we've got a verse and a chorus, it's sick. We don't have the whole song, but it's really, really promising what we've got. Then that's great. Rather than being like, oh, we have this finished song, but neither of us will want to use it. So I just kind of, yeah, plot along with it. And then that's kind of what led me to like, I don't know. I really don't know why it became this second, specifically second verse that I just leave. But, you know, like, as I said, like I will... Sometimes it's there and it might be half the second verse it's there, but then I'll go back to it. But also a big thing too for me is in my second verses, sometimes, not all the time, but I like to use the same melody, but then halfway through the second verse, I like to switch it up a bit. So in saying that, that's another thing I like to kind of think out a little bit more. But I mean, I like, I'm not a trained like musician at all i can't read a note or a bar of music to save my life um so everything i do is very much by you know i just feel it so when i get into the you know into sessions and everything like that or i'm writing i'm literally just i don't have a specific format method approach other than you know these random little ones i'm saying right now where i come back to them like a verse a few weeks later that's i don't have this this specific way of doing it. I just let it, it controls me. I know that sounds weird, but it does. It really does control me. I just let it, as I said, I'm the vessel. I just sit here and wait for all the magic moments to come. And to be honest, you know, I've had that approach before my, even my EP and, you know, it's led me now to have a, an EP and now a debut album that's about to drop that I'm very proud of. So I guess I'm, I've learned to trust that process, but, Again, whatever that process is, I don't know. <laughs> how, in that interim, say if you leave it two weeks before you come back to that second verse, how much will you listen to what you have so far? Oh, I relentlessly. That's, that's the big thing for me that, you know, it, it feels a bit narcissistic, but that's also, you know, in talking about these methods and everything like that of writing and working, that's another trick I have is like the whole pro- album process all I did was listen to my own demos and like the demos of like every song from the record, some that didn't, you know, aren't on the record as well. I was listening to at the time. And, you know, that's kind of a, it's a bit of a scary one to do because you can get demo artists, but luckily enough that doesn't happen to me. And I'm, I also am very fortunate enough to work with such an amazing producer, Chris Collins, that demo artist just doesn't exist because the demos that I make with Chris, aren't demos (laughs) they're kind of like there's some of some of like well actually not some there's like a majority of this record that it's first like it's just a demo vocal take or it's a demo guitar take or whatever or the whole thing's just from the original like when we were just chucking it in and we've just kept it because we felt we struck gold you know so yeah it's kind of it's all over the shop it's like it's just a shit show of my brain but um (laughs) that's yeah the the method and the madness is all kind of just fused into one i wonder it's really interesting what you're saying there about how before you come back to write that second verse you'll listen to it relentlessly for two weeks does it almost relate into i was reading about the process you spoke about how in this day and age we're so you know influenced subconsciously and consciously by what we surround ourselves with does it almost come back to that and this idea of just completely immersing yourself in what you were writing so then oh, very, it can naturally come Very out, yeah. much. Very much, you know, because it's like 
that's the thing with being in this day and age with, you know, such a crazy technology in our laps every like second of the day, you know, we have Spotify and you can go into playlists with certain artists. And then you, if you find an artist that you like, then there's, you know, you can get into the loop and the, that endless hole of like artists that sound like this artist and this, and, and that's sick. That is great. I think we are so lucky to have that. However, when for me anyway, when it came to making a record, I also am very consciously aware how easy it is to be influenced subconsciously. Yeah, you know, so just, you know, you can listen to this song regardless of it even being the most pop song that is so different to what you make. We just aren't, we don't realise how easily that can come in and influence. So for me... You know, I knew that there's always going to be like this album's going to have songs and people are going to say that, you know, reference it to this and this. But a big goal for me was to reduce that. So I thought, you know, if I just listen to myself, the only thing that's going to be influencing me is my own voice, my own blemishes, my own things that have sounded sick, you know, and like really cool. Like and anything that's influencing the sound sonically or whatever on this record is has come from me. So I don't know, you know, that's something that it was a gamble, you know, there's because there's also winning moments when you, you listen to like great reference tracks and other artists and that. But for me, this was just something that I sat down and I decided to do. I didn't, you know, I didn't tell anyone until after the whole process was kind of over. But I'm very, very glad I did that because, you know, like, as I said, I know me, I know, like, I have massive, massive influences and I'm the type of listener too that will, I'll drown out, like, I'll listen to every single song, every single album and that and, you know, being in such a deep, like, because I think the, when we were doing the album, it was like, after the songs were all done and it was really time to kind of, oh, they weren't all done actually for that matter. No, it was kind of like the last, like, 20% of finishing all the songs and then like really recording them and everything properly. But that was like a, you know, six week stint. Six weeks in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to, you know, in that time, just be listening to all this music that was going to, you know, somehow shape that. As I thought if I was just listening to me and and that's what was going to shape that and just round off every little knickknack on there, then I feel like, yeah, you know, I I was just going to be feel much better about it. And, you know, as I said, like it was my debut. I didn't know what I had nothing to kind of compare it to. I had no, you know, I don't have a already have an album out that was influenced by something. So it was a risk, um, but it's one that I feel very, very grateful that I kind of took, you know, and I feel like it's something that I'll probably take into my approach for the next record, you know, but then again, once you, you have some albums up your sleeve and, you know, out in the world, then it, it comes time to kind of try a few things that you wouldn't necessarily try. So maybe, you know, in a few years time, once I've got a couple more records under my sleeve, then maybe I will, you know, listen to some old and like just have an album that is completely influenced. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, Speaking too far, I've got to actually, <laughs> I've got to write some more music before then. But um, you know what I mean? Just, you know, that there might come a time then where I, I do try that approach. But this has just been one for me that's worked. So I guess I've stuck to it for this one. So, but the record's not out. So we'll, we'll wait and see what people think. People might hate it. So <laughs> then I'll definitely change my approach. <laughs> After that six weeks, when you go back to listen to other people's music, had your perception changed in any way? Did you notice anything different? Well, to be honest, I won't lie. The, the stint after the record was done, Chris Collins, the way he works, he works so quick. And I was also there for a lot of the mixing. So after that, it was kind of, you know, it was then listening to the mixes. So there was probably another... I want to say like three months nearly. Well, so you didn't listen to um, anyone else's music for like third of a, a year. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A long time. Yeah. And I was just like, it was little things where like I'd go to the gym and I'd be at the gym for like probably an hour and a half and I would loop that album the whole time. It would only, uh, you know, the album would probably only go three times, but just loop and loop and just, just had it. Cause that was the part too, where it's like, 
again, you, you're making sure what should be in there and, you, you know, you're listening to it. And again, for me, my mind was so clear. And when I was listening to these songs, I wasn't necessarily thinking of what could be better. My mind was so free that I was able to go and go think back to the time and go, oh, remember this certain guitar take or this, you know, this, you know, different riff or something that was done that maybe could go back in there. I didn't have any new music, you know, to kind of drown that out. So, you know, I don't know if it's a normal or if it's a weird as like just weird approach, but it, it seems to have worked for me for this one. So, yeah, I don't regret it at all. When it comes back to this idea of what you immerse yourself in and how we're impacted consciously and subconsciously, another thing that comes to mind is conversation. Yeah. Which I know you've kind of taken some influence from on the record. When you look back to the process, is there a particular conversation that kind of stands out to you as one that was really meaningful and kind of impacted the direction of the record? Oh, there was lots. Um, I think just a lot of the conversations throughout the last five years I've had with my mum. You know, there's a lot of specific and yeah moments throughout, but I think you know this 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 record's influenced a lot through the experiences I've had with my family and everything like that. And, you know, my mom's my best friend and, you know, my biggest supporter and she's my number one. And I think, yeah, through all the conversations we've had over these last five years and what she's gotten me through, you know, she's, she's got me through hell and back in my own like little journey and that, and she's been through hell and back, but she's a, she's a rock, you know, so she's inspired me throughout this whole thing. And to be honest, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. So yeah, I owe, I owe this whole record. I owe my life to her. So if anything, this is, you know, this record is, is, yeah, it is for her and it is for my family. And, you know, I know, I know that might be somewhat, it sounds like taking the easy road or, or whatnot with that answer, but that's, that's just me talking from my heart. You know, I'm just being straight up and honest, like I named this record is like the name Necessary Evil. It all came from a conversation with my mum. You know, it's a title that my team, it didn't spark interest when I told them I wanted to name my album Necessary Evil. It wasn't one that got people excited or happy. You know, they were all going, oh, it sounds like a metal record or something like that. But for me, it's not about, again, you know, how cool it sounds or anything. You know, the message and the meaning of this record will be what it'll be and the listeners and the audience will take that from that. But for me, Necessary Evil has such a big meaning through the conversations I've had with my mum and other conversations that have come along the way. But, you know, again, that's, that's why I had to just stick to my, my guns and, and stay true to what I believe and why I do this. And, and that's, that's to be real with, with what I want, you know, and, and what I feel and, you know, and that's, that's it. You know, that's, I owe, I owe so much to my family. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of blabbering a bit there, but yeah, I hope that makes sense, you know? Yeah. It's interesting we're touching upon the title there as well. Are there any like necessary evils to your creativity and your music making process, do you think? Probably my heart. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's a, the cliche, it is. That, that is. Like the way I look at it, like necessary evil for me is like there's so many different things in life that are necessary, but a big one for me is love. You know, like that's, that's probably one of the biggest things I struggle with. I know we all do. But like at the end of the day, I made a record. A lot of it is is about my own life and that. So I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to be real with that. And yeah, like love is a big, big necessary evil for me and, and how I deal with it and everything like that. It's like not ready for love. The idea of it kind of being quite cyclical and you're going to go through these phases with it that can be harmful in some ways and they can be beautiful in others. And it just kind of repeats and there's something kind of beautiful about that. Well, that's it. You know, that's it. It's like the, the initial conversation of this like album title and everything literally came like it didn't just go like stem from a massive DNM with mum. It honestly, we were talking about cars. I had this old shitty car that would just kept breaking down on me, but you know, like a car is a necessary evil too. As like funny as it is to kind of put into this conversation of my album. It is like, it, it all fits, you know, it's something that, it can be your worst enemy at time, but it's something that we all need in life. Yeah. It can be difficult as well when you kind of get into that, like what you're saying there about the car, how you can kind of see it breaking down and you can maybe look at some of the broader metaphorical implications of that and what that could stand for. Yeah. Is that something that a song, being a songwriter kind of makes you more observant of? 
or kind of opens your mind to a little bit more? I think it definitely opens your mind, you know. Um, I think it's one of those things that, again, everyone will have, like, take it in their own way. But for me, I think, yeah, it definitely, definitely opens that little portal. <laughs> Do you find yourself taking notes quite a lot as a result of that? Oh, all the time. You would not want to see my, like, notes file and <laughs> my voice memos. But the worst one actually is, is my, um, like my camera roll. So I, whenever I've like got an idea for a song or anything like that, I film myself because again, I'm not trained. So sometimes I'll play chords in that, that I don't know what chord it is. And it's, I try and move my fingers in weird positions to try and find random chords at times. But all in all, I like to do it just so it's, you know, when you listen in a voice memos, it's great. But if I can just see what I'm doing, then I can, you know, just do it. But then in doing that, some of these videos are like 25 to 30 to longer. So to then dissect them and find all the good moments and then put them in a folder and cut them up is hell at times. It is so, (laughs) so draining, but it is good because I have like, there's thousands of videos and some like, if I have her sitting trying to write and nothing news come into mind, I just will go through there and something instantly vibey is there to work on. So it's not a bad thing, but again, it's, I feel like there's so much gold in there that I really need to, um, yeah, like spend a good month or something. I need a long time to kind of- How many videos are we talking? Well, honestly, like over 5,000 at least, like- Over just, how many years? Oh, that had been like the last year. Like it's honestly, <laughs> it's, it's, it's chaos on there. Cause it like, that's, you know, that's my main spot to do it. You know, like most people are like voice memos and, or, or even just go straight into recording. But with myself not even having my gear, I haven't, you know, been even demoing anything of recent. So yeah, all my demos and everything are just little, selfie video things whatever you call it i just yeah prop the phone up somewhere and just press record and then just start singing and yeah jamming away have have you found yourself creating more ideas as a result of not having your gear like if you can't fully realize it do you just keep making more and more stuff um well to be honest since finishing the record i've actually I, I was trying as soon as we finished, like even in that mixing like process, I was really trying to like keep writing and I was thinking of like, you know, the next record and everything like that. But then I hit this moment where I don't know, my brain, it kind of just not freaked out or anything like that, but it just kind of, it just hit this point And I was like, nah, like, I feel like I shouldn't be writing right now, which I feel has never happened to me. And I just, had to stop myself and then i kind of i hit up a few friends that have you know they've released multiple albums and i asked them like what's their process after you know finishing an album and they said man like they take some of them that have taken years off which i don't think i could do but they were like take some time off they were like you need to really like let it sink in and you need a process that you've just made this record and you need new moments and you need to like go out there and live again, you know, and have some new memories and life experiences to then, you know, inspire you to to what you will write about next. So I've kind of just been cruising over the last little bit. I've got like some new stuff that's really excited me, but that's only started coming since I like slowed down. So for now, I'm just kind of, you know, like I'm in at the moment, like it's all about, you know, learning this new set with the band for the tour and everything. So and, you know, we're on album release cycle. So I'm so busy with everything like that that I don't even really have any time to write. In any downtime that I have had, like in even just these, the month before this all got real chaotic, I've just been cruising through, you know, just kind of coming for a few hours here and there a day. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying what's, what's kind of coming out. I'm also like, you know, I guess that big thing where you're not thinking of, anything you know there's no pressure i'm not i'm not thinking about trying to you know make anyone happy at this point in time like i'm just writing some songs for me so i don't have to share them you know no one's hassling me to go hey time like can we hear some new music you know because we've just got this album so it's that's a rewarding feeling because i've never been in that position before like uh, even after we finished the ep like as much as i had a lot of content and that recorded like even before that EP was out and then there was a lot that we kept off the EP and stuff too. So there was stuff there, but 
it was constantly like straight back into the studio. So now to kind of, you know, have a little bit of time away, I feel like the next time I go back in the studio, it's going to be, yeah, really exciting. I feel like it's going to be chaos and like my brain will just <laughs> erupt all of a sudden. But um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to get back in. That, uh, that phrase you mentioned there at the moment where you're writing free from any expectation, that's, that's really interesting to think about in the context of what we were saying earlier where it's a lot easier for you to open up in your music on a guitar than in conversation. Is that possibly because the catharsis is free from any expectation in that case as well? Whereas in a conversation, there's a slightly different weight to it, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good, definitely a good way to look at it. Hey, because I mean, but then it's funny because in a conversation, you can, I guess you can be judged by one person with what you say or what you think. But then in writing a song and putting it out there, you kind of then allow an endless form of like, like anyone can judge or have their kind of opinion or two cents, you know. So it's weird to think about, you know, like that, but or you could I guess say it's connecting that, with thousands of people as well. Well, that's that, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, I think in that initial moment, yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, in this conversation, yes, I'm thinking about, you know, the people judging it or, or then like relating to it and, and really, you know, connecting with it. Um, but I feel like in the moment of when I'm actually, you know, creating it itself, I think that all just is disappears. So yeah, it feels like a very, I feel like nothing else like matters or exists in that moment, you know, whether it's in a conversation, I'm a big overthinker. So I'm constantly thinking, you know, even what my body language is saying to the other person, you know? So I think there's a big sense of freedom there. You're last present in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We are talking about that period slightly earlier on when, you just said you were going to take a little bit of downtime just to kind of try and get something back after the record because you were talking to those artists who said that it was good to do that. Yeah. Was that tough for you to move into that initially when you're used to creating all the time? To be honest, yes, because like I don't, I, I play like music's my full-time job. I don't, I don't work or do anything like that. So, um, and also being back in Wollongong, you know, like it's such a big change. Like, yes, I grew up here, so I have a lot of, people um around that like i'm familiar with and old friends and things like that but i i guess as soon as i got back here i was just thrown into this it almost felt like a holiday which you know whilst that sounds cool it wasn't great like i was just going to the pub every single day and just you know drinking more than you know i wanted to but i was i was having fun and everything like that but i just had you know like that's not how I live. I, I live a pretty healthy lifestyle. Like I love it, love a beer and everything like that. But I was just, you know, I was, I felt good because I'd finished my record. I was excited and like going to the pub, like to celebrate for maybe a week after you finish a record. It's cool. But you know, this, this lasted a good, like, you know, five months or something like that. So I really had to like think of like finding, you know, a bit of structure and flow to two things. And so in, in that like as much as stepping away kind of gave me more freedom to go drink it was then to just kind of you know get some old hobbies and things like that back so i've just been like you know playing a lot more golf and things like that for the time being just to kind of you know reset reset but yeah just in a bit more of a healthy and clean way than just rinsing myself at the pub all day and all night every day and every night well, I guess when you're at the pub, there's no real sense of fulfillment in your life. Whereas at least if you're doing golf or something, you'd still that kind of idea of self-improvement, isn't it? Exactly that. Exactly. And like the, the guys who I play golf with, like they're all really good. And, you know, they're all like cheering you on as you go and, <laughs> and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's nice. It's definitely a wholesome little fulfilling time with them. But I mean, it's, I've been like, I was, I I pulled back my drinking big time, but then I haven't had a drink for like nearly a month now because I've been doing like a big sober kick um, just in the lead up to the album and then the tour. And like, we've just got some filmed things and that coming up too that like, you know, I want to feel, feel like I'm looking and feeling fresh um, for it. So yeah, it's been really, really nice having like this big, yeah, build up that's, you know, I'm aware of and I'm not just kind of waking up and feeling a bit dusty 
So, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It was like, even last night I had a, um, premiere on the radio of, um, like the lead song off the record. Like it's, I don't know. It's called, it's like the lead song, but it's not a single or anything, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, the radio premiered it last night and that's the first time like I've ever had a song premiered on the radio or played on the radio like that, where I haven't, you know, turned it into a big party. Like I stayed at home by myself with my dog and I just sat there sober and it was really nice. So maybe I'm getting old or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to enjoy this lifestyle a little bit. <laughs> do you appreciate that moment in a different way when you do that? Oh, very much. Like it, in all honesty, like there's times where, you know, you get so excited and you drink yourself silly and you kind of forget that, you know, you forget the moment that was and you know, whether's last night, not that I've done that all the time. Like I'm not, I feel like I've almost in the last five to 10 minutes painted this really weird picture of myself as some crazy alcoholic, but that is not the case for anyone. <laughs> You're speaking of someone who's Scottish, man. That's just standard <laughs> behavior over here. <laughs> um, Isn't, would you ever, you know, we're speaking earlier on as well about how the melody kind of unlocks something in you. Could drinking ever do that too creatively? Because it can take that social barrier down, you know, and oh, that kind very of self-consciousness. Much. Very much. Like, um, I mean, cut this if, if you need to cut this, but like, um, I'm like a big thing for me that unlocks my creativity is, um, like smoking weed, you know, like I'm not a crazy stoner or anything like that and cut me off too. If we can't, I guess, talk we about, can, of course we can, put, yeah, we can put this in. <laughs> no, uh, no, I just wanted to check, you know, just cause we, we also still live in these countries where it's, it's not legal or whatnot. Um, yeah, so the, I just wanted the attitudes to, toward it can be quite bizarre from like, it's, it is generation. weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a weird one, you know, because it's, you know, the stigma around it is it's very, you know, people judge you a lot, yet, you know, then you someone could be an alcoholic and then it's just, it is what it is, you know. Back on the, I guess, the lighter note of it, for me, it's something that, you know, it's really opened up a big, I don't know, burst of creativity, like, from a young age. And, like, it's, again, it's not something that, like, it's how, it's it's part of how I do it, but there's times where I just enjoy it. Like, and I've sat down and written some of my favorite songs, some of my most personal songs in that moment. So that's definitely a thing for me that unlocks it. Like I think drinking does to a degree, but again, it's with both. I try not ever to let it become a habit with like that workflow. Otherwise, you know, if you go, Oh, you you know, I remember the first time I struck gold and wrote, wrote a song when I was a bit stoned. And I thought, holy shit, this is, this is it. This is how I do it. But I was like, nah, you know, we're not going to go down that, that little rabbit hole. I'll start making some random reggae music, which I love reggae, but I, I don't think the world would want to hear some time James organ white boy <laughs> reggae for that matter. So, yeah, so I never like every once in a while I'll do it like that. But um, it's only if, if I really ever get stuck. But it's nice to kind of, you know, try things. Like I don't mind, I dabble in psychedelics and things like that, which... You know, I, I like to, when I'm doing that, I like to kind of push myself on the create creative side, you know, like not just going with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so that's, that's kind of, I've done that and then just gone, like, I'm going to write today and you know, it doesn't always go where you're thinking and everything like that, but that's a big, big thing to just, you know, try. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all about trying not everything for that matter, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But yeah, like, you know, things like, like, especially down the psychs side of things, like, I think that's, it's, it's nice to kind of open up your brain to that, again, other little portal world thing, whatever's up there. It's, it's something else, but it's fun. Yeah. I mean, if we think about something like weed as a one out of 10 on the changing your perspective scale, when you then yeah. take something like psychedelics into it, you're kind of right up the other end. Yeah, very much, very <laughs> much. So, Yeah. It just, it comes back to this idea of just taking new elements into the process really, doesn't it? Exactly. That's it. You know, like, again, I feel like the, the process of it all, like if it was to just be same, same, it's going to get boring, you know? And I feel like that's the thing, like with writing songs, as much as, you know, you could write 10 albums, it's still, you're still writing. Every song is an individual song. So your catalog is just a catalog of songs. You know what I'm saying? So to be able to try d- different approaches on on that and you know opening up little you know different things and that is it's it's definitely worth a, a shot and and something that i i want to try anyway 
It's interesting to think as well about the parallel that a new experience in your life can kind of do a similar thing. Like if you think about something like London's Calling. Yeah. Th- with that song, when you get that and you suddenly your whole perspective shifts and a song comes out of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just to kind of recap people who maybe don't know, but you found out a friend was moving to London. Yeah. And then th- does the song come out the same day or is there a little bit of waiting period? I think the song came out like a might have been a two to three weeks later. So I wrote this song back in 2000 and like January 2019. And so that friend, yeah, they moved in like December 2018. And then, yeah, so I found out and then it just, you know, it sparked obviously initially sparked a shitload of thoughts in my mind. Um, and then it was a few days later, I was just in the car with a good friend and he was um, just showing me uh, a few little like beats and, you know, cause he comes from more an electronic world and he had this idea, but just this little two chord thing and that. And then I was like, that's it. We should play on that. And then we went to mine and, and then London's calling pretty much fell out. It was super different back then. Like this was the original demo of that was like, kind of cure meets springsteen you know with like these subtle electronic kind of notes on there too but um then it was like a big big process of you know i started playing it acoustically so that's i guess what led it into having that kind of more plucked sound to it there and then you know then we kind of really then like it was one of those ones that in the studio we it had about six different versions and Chris and I were really getting frustrated at the end and we were like, nah, let's just pull it off the record because it was just at that point of frustration. And then, I don't know, it was kind of like that. The, what, it, what you hear now on the record was like our final attempt um, just to get it right, like sonically. And then, yeah, it was, uh, we kind of sat there and we changed a few little chords in that around. And it was, in all honesty, it was those chord changes in the chorus, like going to the A minor rather than staying on the G just really let it swell into this new world kind of obviously going to a minor over a major then you know gives paints a different picture for that moment so yeah it was a very very special experience but a very very long one that one it really blossoms (laughs) that song like you start with a very low-key opening and then just over the course of it it kind of broadens out into this expansive arrangement yeah and i think a lot of it too came as i said like playing it for like what was it i played well only a year i would have played it but it became a really popular song in my set live like and i just played it acoustically like my whole set's banned but then i play like two or three songs um acoustically and i guess it it, you know it's got that chorus is, is quite hooky and like catchy you know so that instantly drew people in but it really became such a popular song in the set and i think that's again what really at the end of that last, you know, we were really on our last kind of like, you know, we really close to giving up on, on that one. And that last approach we had was just to go like, go, oh, what do I do live, you know, when I'm playing it acoustically and how can we kind of add that? And, you know, there were certain percussive things I do just on my guitar that then you kind of hear in that middle eight section where it starts building um, the production and stuff. And that, that all just stemmed from, you know, those little things I was doing with my hands, just the way I was bashing my guitar, you know. So it all really came out naturally. But, you know, I'm so blessed that we, you know, stuck to that one and really persevered to get it across the line because, you know, I don't think it would, I couldn't imagine the record without that song now, you know. Almost like a centerpiece. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, it's my, it's track seven. Number seven is my lucky number track seven for me was always going to be something special and it's that's the one so and it's yeah smack bang in the middle so yeah it's it's weird thinking that there was that one point of time where it was nearly not there you know what i mean yeah places everything else in a different context a little bit too oh very much very much very much (laughs) what did it's interesting to think about that experience we kind of touched upon that spawned it what did you learn from that and apply to your life to be honest with you i like there's a lot in that song, which is, is, is quite ironic, you know. There's a sadness to that side to it too, the irony. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, a big sadness, you know. Like there's a lot in that song, right? So I wrote that song again because I couldn't talk. I, there was so much in that time. So this, this friendship, you know, it was a relationship before um, and then it ended in like 2017 and then I didn't sh- – 
she reached out to me numerous times in between her living in Sydney to then moving back to London. And I never could reply. And that was just my own thing. I just, you know, I was so distraught after the relationship ended or, or whatnot that I just could never bring myself to, you know, say my true feelings. Like it took me so long to, I guess, process that whole whole thing of losing that because it was such an important part of my life. And then when I found out that she was going, she messaged me and then I never replied. I never did. I still haven't to this day, you know, and that song was the only thing I could have said. And, and it's, it's like, you know, she's reached out even since this songs came, but you know, so much time's gone since that it's, you know, I'm completely fine. I've had my heart broken and, and numerous times since, so it's all good there. But yeah, there's that lyric in there. Um, I'm trying to think, couldn't tell you why I still care, you know, like it's in the first, it's like rounds off one of the first kind of sections in the first verse. And, you know, that was the thing that was crazy. It was like all, all the years of my stubbornness of not saying anything when all I wanted to do was say, I, like, you know, I still cared regardless of wanting a relationship or whatnot. I still cared. And it's crazy to think now that like, you know, sorry, couldn't tell you I still care. Yeah. So it's like, and I still couldn't, you know, there's even still now that I, even though I'm like, I, I'm completely healed from that situation. I respect it. Like it was the best thing that she ever did for herself. Like, you know, we were never going to be the like live on happily ever after. It was never that. It was just all that moment of just, it was a beautiful moment we, we had and shared. Um, but it's just, as yeah it is ironic and sadly ironic too as you said that here we are in 2021 and and still i've you know i've released this song but it's still the same you know it's still i still sit here and i've never ever addressed something that i've written something so personal about that i wanted to address for so long i still have it you know it's wild but maybe that'll come you know like the album's not out there's still there's certain, there's other songs on this record about that chapter of my life and that part, that relationship. So maybe it'll come time after the whole thing's out and it's been a little bit of time, you know. As I said, that's why I'm, it's such a weird thing that I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a matter of days off my debut record coming out, but I'm not in this crazy just ex- like wave of excitement. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm nervous and there's a lot, lot to process for this, like this next little bit. So I think you know, it might take me a month or it might take me a year, but I feel like there's going to definitely come that time where maybe I will reach out and just say, yo, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot there by saying I will because it's I don't tough know if with I will. text though. Like, I don't know how you would have that conversation. That, that's not the domain really to have that chat in, is it? Nah, you know, and that's the thing. I'm a very, that's a guess, probably um, another main, like, massive reason why we never spoke is because. Again, you, I don't like, to, I don't even like emailing, you know, like it's just so impersonal. <laughs> you just, it's, yeah, you know, so especially for a conversation like that, that was always going to be so deep and personal, having it through text. And, you know, now the only way I could have it would be through like something like Instagram or uh, Facebook, which that's not my cup of tea either. So I feel like the only yeah. way you could have it is if you run into it like a pub after a few drinks exactly and it's that spontaneity and you get caught up in the moment and you kind of see your chance and you probably would seize it if you were in that place yeah you know but unfortunately with covid she's in london and i'm over here in australia that'll never happen (laughs) for the next little while anyway but that being said like i'm i'm happily like moved on i'm in a very healthy relationship now you know too so it's a weird one there you know like it's hard, like with my current partner, like, you know, with having even London's calling when I showed her the, the film clip the other week, it was, you know, she liked it, but it was also like weird for her to watch. So it's, attention. Yeah. You know, it's like, which again, like, you know, she completely, you know, she knows where I sit with her and everything like that. But again, it's reliving that. So I guess it's kind of completely different, but there is to somewhat a similar degree of like, a similar feeling that comes along the lines of like, you know, how she feels when she see it, sees it brings back a similar feeling for me, just from a, I guess, a different side. Is that the most vulnerable moment on the record for you, do you think? Um, nah, nah, I think, 
there's a lot of like, I mean, the whole, it's, it's hard for me, like even, you know, picking a favorite song, um, the most personal song, like, you, you know, you go into a song like Burning Desire that has some real vulnerable moments. Like I speak in that song, there's specific dates and stuff in there that I speak about that, you know, when you speak of a specific date that instantly, that's not just a memory. That's a, like, that's a specific point of time. Um, that instantly, as soon as that, you know, I press play on that song and hear that moment, it, it takes me there, you know, it's to that specific thing. But then there's like, I mean, heal you. That's just, that's that, that song. Every time I play it, it breaks my heart. But then too, you know, like they, they like heal you, you know, that's a cutthroat moment of just, you know, that song haunts me from the moment I press play. But then some of the, like the up tempo, like, better than this not ready for love sunday suit they're all such personal songs to me so i'll sit i might dance to those songs but i'll cry my eyes out too you know what i mean so it's what you want yeah <laughs> that's kind of like a, a big sh like summary of the album it's like we're gonna dance but we're gonna cry too you know there's gonna be lots of like chaotic moments on this record but We'll have a good time, but we'll, we can all cry and we'll all hug. So that's kind of what I'm excited for too about like, you know, when, when to play these songs live, like people get emotional at my gigs. It's, it's, you know, you come to a time James organ show, you're going to have a good time. You're going to have a safe time, but you're going to have an emotional time too. And it's going to, you know, a lot of people, it brings out happy memories, sad memories and things like that. But I'm very blessed with the audience that I have is everyone's there and in it together. Like I, I love like when I meet people after shows and they're like, you know, they end up, they just met these people in the crowd or in the mosh or whatever. And then next time they end up coming back and I'll see them again. And they're all of a sudden they rocked up at the gig with those people and they're all friends. So it's, there's a big kind of community within it all too, you know? So um, that support networks there, you know, when people like, I'm not scared to say like people will cry, like, and, and, you know, it's going to be an emotional journey at my shows because I feel very confident that the type of fans and audience and, and even my own family that come, like, if you see my mum at the crowd and you like at a show, and you want to cry, she's, you can lean yourself right on her shoulder. She'll be right there, you know. Or well, same with me, you know. Like, I have, like, after shows, like, my, one of my favourite things is meeting, meeting the people that come and support me. And, you know, that whenever someone asks for a photo or something like that, they all, like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. Like, you want a photo with me? Like, yes, I make music, but who am I, you know? Who am I? Why, why does a photo mean so much to you? It means so much for me. You take the time out of your day, you support you know, you support my career, my life, everything like that. Like it's the least I can do. But then people will like, you know, I'll get in like really emotional conversations and that, but that's, that's what I strive for is, you know, we're all a big community and we're all there for one another. You know, when they come, it's not just, it's not just a gig. It's not just a show. It's not just a place where you can go and have a drink and have a dance. It's, it's more than that. So, and that's something that, you know, like I strive for and, I'm only going to keep working and working to make that, you know, this community aspect of it bigger and better, you know, and I'll always keep trying to work on that and better it as much as I can. But um, I am, yeah, I'm very fortunate. And, you know, if any wankers ever come to a, one of my shows, they'll know that they'll be kicked out pretty quick because we've done it before and, and I ain't scared to do it, you know, like that's my biggest thing is respect um, for one another and obviously it's a big respect you got to respect women at these at all shows and at all points of life for that matter but um you know speaking on the show front it's like you know let's just treat each other with kindness and respect that's that's all i ask for and that's all it should be a given but it's not but yeah that's what i strive for and hope that we can kind of maintain
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.